Welcome to Mind Love, Episode 70. Today's episode is all about the four elements as a roadmap to transformation. Way up in the ether, where there's thought, idea, and inspiration, we have this idea of our future self, or we have this idea of a healthier body, or this idea of us being successful in some way in our life. What is also living up there are the false ideas, the limiting the beliefs, the I can't, or this is the only way I'm supposed to look, or this is the only way it's possible. And what gets manifest into form is what we start energizing. Then we bring it down and we start to make it material with our voice, which is the air element. We start speaking about our dreams. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Mind Love is a CastBox original. You can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but CastBox is pretty awesome, so I hope you'll give it a try. And tap that cute little button that says subscribe. More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus, it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more Mind Love. Hello, friends and fellow wild women. By the way, I love how many of you resonated with the term wild women. I got several messages from you guys. I really resonate with it too, and I think it's just going to be my thing. Well, I've been thinking a lot about how our dreams come into form. When I first had this wild and life-changing idea to create mind love, it seemed like a pipe dream to make it a reality. And now I look back and I've created this whole new life. So how does something go from idea to form? Today, we're talking about how the elements equate to the stages of the transformation process. So inspiration happens in the ethers, the place of knowing where ideas, thoughts, and beliefs are held. And then it moves through air, fire, water, and finally earth as it comes fully into form. So what does that even mean? Well, we're going to go into what each stage is in this episode, but it's just such a cool way of viewing manifestation that I've never really heard told this way before, so I'm excited to share it with you all. Our guest is Anahata Ananda, the founder of Sedona's Shamangelic Healing. She's a certified high-performance coach, shamanic healer, and soul guide. She's helped thousands of people create the life of their dreams, so let's see what she has in store for us today. Three key things we will learn are the elements of how consciousness moves into form, how to break patterns and shift into empowered choices, and how to find guidance in everything. Before we dive in, I want to share the easiest way to start each day with a positive mindset. Thousands of other wild women are loving my daily morning mind love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power that are the perfect addition to your morning routine. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of Powerless based on proven principles from the most successful people to automate your best self. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. 
It's set to a magical binaural frequency known as the miracle tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. Go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. It is so much fun to dive in with you. I've been loving your podcast, and I'm grateful to have a deep, soulful conversation with you and the listeners today. Well, to get started, let's give the listeners a little bit of a background on who you are and what brought you into the world of shamanism. You know, I think that my journey was coming from a place of being in the dark night of the soul, like stuck in a life that wasn't really soulful. It didn't really fit me. I mean, I was going through all of the steps that everybody says, you know, and college and get married and have career and have kids. And a lot of it wasn't really nourishing my soul. And I think that I had kind of stuffed a lot of things from my past and really didn't know how to deal with pain and wounding and disappointments from the past and kind of just things piled on top of each other. And it got to the point where I was just unhappy with lots of areas of my life and sedating like most people today you know, sedating with food or shopping or media or, you know, being busy, but not being nourished at a soul level. And so I was kind of accelerating in a place of unhappiness and some health diagnoses that just were kind of getting my attention that I needed to turn something around. And traditional approaches were just woefully insufficient for what I really needed. And so I dove into shamanism as a way to kind of provide some deep core healing and some tools to kind of help me navigate coming back to my center. What was that process like of going from the typical regular world that most people are so used to, (laughs) to making your spiritual path your whole life path? I think that I needed to give myself freedom to listen because I had been stuffing my intuition for so long from following, like you said, it's kind of a deviation from tradition or mainstream. And I needed to give myself permission to do what I needed to do and not be afraid, not be concerned about ridicule or judgment and just be like, look, this is what I need. I needed so badly to do something different that I'm like, I really don't care what anybody else says or thinks. This is what I'm going to do. And that released so much pent up anger and emotion and sadness and guilt and shame. It was so liberating that I was like, geez, I'm going to keep doing this. (laughs) You know, I ended up falling in love with the process so much. It liberated so much density and provided so much clarity that it kind of was this Pandora's box of possibilities that opened up that kind of put me on a path of exploring alternative modalities, spirituality, consciousness, meditation, yoga, to really explore all kinds of alternative approaches. And I was just this hungry little caterpillar because I was growing some new wings. And I just was having such a blast. I really didn't care if it was alternative or, I mean, and this was 20 something years ago, so it wasn't as embraced (laughs) today then as it is today. Now it's moving more into mainstream. For me, I feel like it wasn't really that long ago that I was still just stuck in a lifestyle that I didn't love. So recently, I've been really contemplating what happened. Like, what was it for me that really caused me to make that leap? And for me, that was pure desperation. (laughs) But is that needed? Does it always have to be so painful? 
<laughs> you know, I laugh and you're laughing because you're like, shit, does it have to hurt? You know, and we're silly little humans. I find that the awakening process is so entertaining. It's like, I don't really need comedies on Netflix because if I just watch what I'm doing in life, it's hilarious. You know, our human condition really needs change. It needs growth. And when we stagnate, a couple things start happening. We start sabotaging ourselves. We start feeling contracted. And in that contracted place, depression, anxiety, then we start sedating or blaming or picking fights. And if we don't like a job, we'll get fired because, you know, we'll be in that place. We're just, we want to change so bad, but not able to go at it head on. And so we'll attract the reason for the breakup. We'll attract a disease. We'll attract trouble at work because we're not really listening. And so there are so many little whispers that happen long before it gets to dark night of the soul. I was feeling symptoms in my physical body, emotional body, and energy body for so long. And I just wasn't trained how to listen to those or how to honor those. And everybody else is just sedating those. So I was just doing what everybody else is doing. And so I think it's a combination of not having the tools, not being taught how to listen to the signals and how to take action when the physical body is giving you pain or the emotional body is giving you big waves, big tsunamis of depression or anxiety. And I think we're just not so familiar and accustomed or trained how to listen to those signals. And so they get louder and louder and louder. And it takes one of those big, painful wake-up calls, a big breakup, you know, a diagnosis to get our attention because we're stubborn. Um, <laughs> you know, we love our comforts. We don't want to know the truth a lot of times. We're not ready. We're ignoring signals left and right and kind of know things need to change. But sometimes we're not quite ready until it gets painful. And even then, sometimes we're not quite ready. You know, and I laugh just because I've gone through this process many times. I'll go through it again and again and again, just as you may and your listeners might, you know, go through an awakening or you figure something out. And then there's more signals that you get to either ignore or heed. And it's totally optional. <laughs> you know? I feel like I need a dark night of the soul for every area of my life. <laughs> Right? It, 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 sometimes we need to clean house. It's funny, you know, Melissa, because we've got the trash gets taken out, you know, once a week. Once a week, the trash gets taken out. I mean, the city comes and does that. You pay for services, say, hey, take out my trash. But emotionally, energetically, mentally, we don't do that. Decades, not just a week or a month or a year, but decades will go by without taking out the trash, without healing from a wound. And so, yeah, some spring cleaning is needed sometimes. And it's not always comfortable or pretty. It's usually ugly, embarrassing, and uncomfortable, <laughs> but necessary. <laughs> it totally is. But then it's so much fun afterwards because, like you said, we're not trained in these things. And the problem is a lot of us don't even really realize that there's anything to be trained in. So it's almost like we're playing a game of chess, only we don't know we're playing. We don't just not know the rules. We don't even know we're playing a game. So we're obviously losing, but we have no idea why, because we just think this is how life goes. And then we realize, oh, this is all a game and there are rules and tricks and suddenly we can find our competitive edge. 
I feel like right now in my life, or really the last five years especially, I've had so many mini awakenings. Like, wow, life doesn't have to be so hard. I don't have to wait for the universe to totally pummel me before I make a change. Maybe just a tiny nudge will propel me in the right direction. Like if I spill my wine, maybe just take it as a sign that I don't need it instead of pouring another glass. Right. We can get better over time with listening to the signals and kind of intervening before a major course correction or a major crash happens. And so this is this whole process of self-discovery and listening and self-love and self-respect and a willingness to understand what am I feeling? What is my physical body trying to tell me? What is my emotional body? What is it feeling that I'm not paying attention to. And so I think this whole process in, you know, that avoids the dark night of the soul or supersedes it, not from a place of avoidance, but from a place of, wow, can I intervene before it gets to that place, is a cultivating a deep listening practice, which means we get to sit still enough and quiet enough without the phone, without Netflix, without somebody else always in our space to deeply, calmly check in, how am I doing? What needs my attention? You know, I love asking the question, what is my body feeling? What is it trying to tell me right now? Does it need sleep? Does it need water? Does it need movement? What is it telling me by the number on the scale, by my energy level, if there's any pain in the body or aches in the body, what is it trying to tell me? And the emotional body, what is my emotional body trying to tell me? Is there a pain I've ignored? Is there a sadness that I'm not dealing with? Has there been a chapter closed I haven't grieved? Is there some passion I haven't honored as well? Is it, you know, I, am I really wanting to birth something and go forward with something? And I might not be honoring, you know, the healthy emotions of, wow, I'm excited to do this, but I'm holding myself back because of fear. And the spiritual body. How's my spiritual body? Am I connected and at peace at a divine level of connection? What is my spiritual body? Have I attended to it? And also my mental diet. What's going on with my mind? Am I, is it positive? Is it negative? And I think what are the conversations that keep repeating in my mind? And do I need to redirect or interrupt any of the negative self-talk that's going on and sabotaging my day or my dreams or my health or that's getting in the way of me listening to the truth? And I think it's just that process is one, I think, of cultivating listening, followed by, and then what? You know, okay, so my body said this, or my emotional body needs this, and then having the courage to take the action, to be loving enough to say, okay, I need to stop this, start this, or really deeply take a closer look at this other issue that I've been ignoring. Now, I can do that process, and it's usually pretty clear to me what my next action is or what lower self behavior needs work. But I've been picking away vices for years now. So I look back and I can remember going inward and realizing, wow, every <laughs> single thing needs an overhaul right now. <laughs> and it's just so overwhelming when you have way more work to do than progress that's been made, like that first 500 meters of a marathon. So what are those first steps of revamping your life for someone who doesn't even really know where to start? Do you love story-driven podcasts? 
I do. And there's a brand new one that I think you're going to love. It's called You Probably Think the Story's About You. The story just grabs you from the start. It all starts with Brittany, who thinks she's found her soulmate, only to find out things aren't as they seem. So she goes on a mission to find out the truth. And as she digs deeper, she realizes the guy's a master of deception. But here's the thing. As Brittany unravels his lies, she ends up on this journey of self-discovery. She starts to see how her own complicated past with addiction, sisterhood, and deep family bonds all have shaped her. And that's when it hits you. This story isn't really about him at all. It's about Brittany finding herself and learning who she really is. Trust me, you'll be hooked from episode one, wondering where Brittany's path will lead her next. It's a story that'll make you look at your own life and relationships in a whole new way. Seriously, grab your headphones and start from episode one of You Probably Think This Story's About You. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll come out feeling heard and stronger. Listen and follow You Probably Think This Story's About You wherever you listen to podcasts. You know I'm all about aligning in every aspect of life, right? Well, that philosophy extends to hiring, too. When it comes to finding the perfect fit for your business, sometimes the best approach is to stop the endless searching and start focusing on alignment. And that's where Indeed comes in. Indeed is like the matchmaker of the hiring world. With millions of job seekers visiting their platform every month, their powerful matching engine is designed to connect you with candidates who truly align with your needs and values. But here's the thing. Indeed isn't just about finding any old match. They're committed to delivering quality. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed provides the highest caliber of candidates compared to other job sites. And that's the kind of alignment I'm talking about. As a busy mom juggling episodes, clients, retreat planning, family life, I just don't have time to waste on a drawn out hiring process. And that's why I love Indeed, because it streamlines everything from scheduling interviews to screening applicants and messaging potential hires all in one central hub. And the more you use Indeed, the smarter it gets. It learns from your preferences. With over 3.5 million businesses worldwide trusting Indeed to align them with top-notch talent, it's pretty clear that this platform is the real deal. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support my show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what are those first steps of revamping your life for someone who doesn't even really know where to start? Oh, I love that question. And first of all, this goes back to the podcast name, you know, Mind Love is that word love is like, wow, we're deeply understanding, starting to put our toe in the water about what love is. Because if things have gone unattended to, and it's all across our life that there's just little messes have turned into big lessons, you know, little challenges have turned into big chaos across our life, we start with being really gentle and really compassionate that says, okay, you know, this is where the mind part, the mind and the love work together, which is why I love the name of your podcast is let my mind be expressing language that is compassionate and kind and patient and encouraging. This is where I get to cultivate a level of self-love for the process because I can't 
clean up everything in one minute in every area of my life. It might take months or years to clean up the health. It might take months or years to heal some wounding from the past. It might take months or years to cultivate new habits and we get to be gentle and patient, honest and accountable as well, because that is also self-loving that you know, maybe our parents didn't let us have soda for breakfast and we stay up till midnight. There was a certain level of structure to love. And we get to do that loving aspect of the feminine, which is gentle and compassionate and patient and nurturing, but also the part of the divine masculine, which is also, well, let's have some structure, let's be accountable and let's be honest. And those are all the feminine and masculine kind of working together there is really what provides a balance of nurturing and structure to help us move forward. And sometimes when life is a total mess, that's when we might need some help that says, okay, somebody's done this before. This is when a coach, this is when somebody that can guide me through the process and help me with the next few steps so that I'm not floundering with a process I'm unfamiliar with and I don't really have the tools. If I had the tools, I maybe wouldn't be here. Or if I had some more accountability, guidance, coaching, and support, then I would have a little bit of support in implementing so that if I'm not great at holding myself accountable, then I might need some support in one of these areas to kind of help me through the process. And that's why I opened Shamanjelic Healing here in Sedona is because it was a mess for me across the board and I needed lots of help in lots of areas and I dove into getting it. And there were certain things just not available. And I didn't want other people to have to go through the same process I did. I wanted people to have support and tools and online things and coaching and content and experiences to help them through the process of turning it around. Because sometimes it can feel overwhelming. And you and I are testaments that big life change can happen. What I love about your work is how you combine the spirituality with high performance coaching. I have found that, especially as I was embarking upon my journey as an entrepreneur, for the first few years, I was totally living in my masculine. I was listening to all masculine podcasts, reading masculine books, everything, just saying, do, hustle, win, stay up late, wake up early. <laughs> A lot of Gary V. I love him, but definitely the masculine point of view. And I was just forcing my body and mind into submission in so many ways. I mean, even doing a ton of Adderall just to be able to keep up with myself. And then I found the spirituality side. And I almost retreated from entrepreneurship completely. And I am thankful for that time because that was when I really started to develop a relationship with myself. But it was when I started to really combine the two that I realized, wow, the universe is actually really magical. All of these things that I read about, like the law of attraction and manifestation are real. And it still just blows my mind when things open up for me, which is happening all the time now. Right. This is where we're learning balance because what you were talking about, the force and the pushing, that's the unhealthy masculine. The healthy masculine is actually that part that does provide accountability and structure not force and pushing. That's where we get to bring all of those mysterious and, you know, qualities of the divine feminine of that intuition and presence 
and magic and wonder and being open to actually co-create with the universe, the divine feminine. She's receptive. She's this vehicle that allows mystery and magic to occur. She's not in this place of the mind that has to force things when she knows she can create from a place of allowing and listening and moving with the flow of the signals she's getting every day. And that's why I said it goes back to listening because we're not going to be able to find our soul mission if we're not connected to that listener because we're going to be getting signals left and right, whether it's as an entrepreneur or as a parent or in our physical bodies, we're going to be getting signals all the time. And we want to be really masterful at being able to listen. If the universe is saying as entrepreneur or as a parent or as a steward of a body that something needs to change, the listener will feel that and fluidly make that change and not fight it, not ignore it, and not sedate it, because that really isn't conscious or loving. And that doesn't mean, as humans, we do that 100% beautifully, gracefully, and masterfully all the time. And I'm still learning, still working, still navigating this process as I move through different things that my body's trying to tell me, or as a parent and as in partnership, in relationships. And I'm learning all the time where I'm still trying to force or I'm not listening to the body or I'm not paying attention to the signals because I don't want to know that I have to make this change yet because I'm not ready to and I'm ignoring the signals because I'm stubborn and I I like it the way it is. (laughs) You know, part of me doesn't want to deal with that or doesn't want to go through that process. And, you know, I get to even meet that part of myself that is throwing a little tantrum or putting truth on delay and being gentle with that as well. Even though I know better and at sometimes I'll rock it and sometimes totally not. (laughs) (laughs) I can justify my vices so well. I know, right? (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing, Melissa? You're manipulating yourself. Like, let it go. (laughs) Right? Sugar is good. (laughs) <laughs> the calories are free if no one sees you eat them. It's medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're crafty this way. We're quite crafty. And this is where we get to really cultivate that witness. And that's kind of the third eye looking at the bigger perspective that says, oh, yes, this is me being crafty right now. This is me being lazy. This is me ignoring the signals. This is me making excuses. And Even in that place, being able to witness it and being gentle, but then we also want to bring the masculine in that says, now let's be honest about this. It's gone too far, or this isn't really serving you or this experience, and it's time for change. That's The masculine is going to be the initiator that's going to be like, all right, tomorrow or today, I'm going to say no to this, or I'm going to say yes to this. And so we actually need both of those. It starts with the feminine, and then the masculine is going to be a little bit more of the action taker. It's a dance. It's like a cha-cha, this life. It's so much fun. It is, especially when you start to actually understand how the game works. You're like, oh, I've been living for 25 years and I haven't known the rules this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And then we learn two of the rules and think we've got it figured out. And we're like, oh, I'm such a badass. I know two of the rules. And then that arrogance just takes us down because there's a bunch more rules (laughs) that we're still learning. 
you know, our blind spot takes us for a ride and we realize, oh, there's a few more things I have to learn. You know, I'm not done after learning these two things. And that's why the whole process of the spiritual path is akin to the lotus, you know, one petal at a time and then a few more petals and then it pauses and then a few more petals and then it waits and waits and there might not be any petals that are opening for a little while and then a few more or one and so it's this process that is constantly, the thousand-petaled lotus is just being at peace with it. It's process and it's not a race. And there's not an end game that says, I'm going to figure it all out before I take my last breath. It's being in grace with seeing what's in front of us and then having the humility to see all of it, which is sometimes embarrassing or awkward or uncomfortable. Okay, so whether through desperation or inspiration... We're making a change and we have an idea of something that we want to create or manifest into our lives. Let's now get into the roadmap for manifesting our dreams and actually achieving personal transformation. Before we started recording, we were discussing that in order to manifest a new reality, we need to navigate through all of the elements of how consciousness moves into form from air, fire, water, and earth. So how does that work exactly? Yeah, you bet. So you had mentioned earlier that my healing practices is the blending of kind of spirituality and consciousness and also high performance strategies. Along with that is shamanism. And this little piece is kind of around the shamanic lens of looking through the roadmap of transformation where way up in the ether, and if we're looking through the spiritual lens, that might be the crown you know, way up high is that ether where there's thought, idea, and inspiration. And just because we have this idea of our future self, or we have this idea of a healthier body, or this idea of us being successful in some way in our life, what is also living up there are the false ideas, the limiting the beliefs, the I can't, or this is the only way I'm supposed to look, or this is the only way it's possible. So in the ether, it, like in our mind, in the consciousness we have the opportunity for truth and expansion. And also within that mind, we have false programs, programs and ideals that aren't ours, that were put there by somebody else from another generation with a different belief system and also don't fit. They might have fit five or 10 years ago, but maybe don't fit anymore. And all of those live up in the ether. And what gets manifest into form is what we start energizing what we start repeating with our thoughts over and over again, because that's what we then start speaking. And it starts to come out of the ether, moving down into the throat chakra, go through the chakras, that those first two are really the crown and the third eye about how we see things and the immaterial world, the ether. Then we bring it down and we start to make it material with our voice, which is the air element. We start speaking about our dreams. If there is a belief that I'm not enough, then we're speaking those beliefs. We're casting those spells out into the universe. No, nobody loves me. Oh, I'm just going to get rejected again. That is something from the ether, a thought form that we're now bringing in to the air and speaking about it. So it can be positive or negative. So this roadmap to transformation, we want to have as much pure consciousness as thought that we're putting into material form. That's why manifestation and affirmations and having a positive mindset is so valuable because if not, then we're manifesting into physical form 
these limiting beliefs, things that are false and things that don't fit us. No wonder we're unhappy. No wonder we're sedating. No wonder we're having dark nights of the soul because what we've manifest into the physical form is actually not what is real or fits us. So we move into the air element and that's speech. That's speaking. Okay, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Okay, this is the year or this is my dream or I'm not good enough. I always fail. You know, So we're speaking our intentions out to the universe consciously or unconsciously about ourselves and others because we can also be speaking into the universe positive out into the universe through the air element, through our voice. And we can also be speaking negative vibrations, intending harm towards somebody else with gossip or judgment that is focused towards another person or a group of people. And so that looks like hate, which is the opposite of love. You know, that all can happen through the voice. And we know the voice is very powerful because we can say something and we can harm somebody. Mm-hmm. Even if we haven't physically done anything, it's starting to get more material because just a thought has a certain impact. But when we start speaking it, the vibration and the density gets thicker. Now it's in air and we can say something that can be very hurtful. You've done it. I've done it. Everybody listening has said things that have hurt people and you've done it. I've done it. All of us listening have also said things that have inspired people and made them feel that they were loved and safe. And that's how powerful words are. I've been doing a lot of writing and personal reflection lately. Well, who am I kidding? I am always doing a lot of personal reflection. (laughs) But what keeps coming up for me are the power of our words. I think a lot of us might underestimate the power of our words, but I love the way that it's framed here about seeing the words that we use as an actual phase of manifestation. This just really puts it into perspective for me. Back in episode 39, we talked about how words create your reality. And our guest that day, Mary Shores, said that it goes as far as if you're saying that your job is a pain in the neck, you will likely manifest a neck pain, not just a job that you don't like. So the takeaway is that we should listen to our words literally and make sure that we're only saying what we want to speak into existence. Well, if you really understand the power of manifestation, the idea of, say, meditating on an intention that I don't want at all sounds crazy. (laughs) I wouldn't do that if somebody offered me money. I feel like it's playing with fire. But it's interesting because I haven't always held my words to the same standard. So on one hand, I get it. This might just sound like another thing to remember to do perfectly. But on the other, these are all just tiny tweaks for your toolbox to find total coherence and alignment with what we think, say, feel, and do. Now imagine if all of your ways of putting something into existence were totally aligned, how much more power would you really hold? It's exciting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I need to get something off my chest. Sometimes I wake up feeling like I hate everything. Like this dark cloud is over my day. And I look to the past and the future and everything feels tainted. Like this is how it's always been. Those type of days used to last months. And now they're pretty few and far between. And they rarely last more than a few hours. But it can still make me feel like a fraud. I'm sharing this because I know that we all carry around these things that make us feel different or less than. But if we keep them bottled up, the shame spirals and creates more problems than that initial thought. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's difficult finding friends or family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. Therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of you. BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online, so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Then we move into fire element, because the fire element is where we start taking action. This is where things start moving. So we might say, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. But then when we come to action and it's happy hour and everybody's like, hey, let's go out, we start taking that action of, oh, I'm not going out today or I'm not going to happy hour today. And then here comes everybody's judgment. How come? What's wrong? And so, you know, what's wrong with you? Oh, you're better than us. Oh, are you cleansing? Are you sick? What's the problem? So when we start taking action in the physical reality, which is the fire element, it starts sending ripples out into the emotional body. And we have to deal with those emotional ripples, which is now the water element. Because if we start taking action that, wow, what if I stopped going to happy hour and I started working out instead? What if I really had the courage to end this unhealthy relationship? What is going to be the emotional tsunami reaction from that? Somebody might be angry with me. I might feel judged. These old pains of failing might come up. And so then we have to cross all of these waves of emotion before we can get over into the earth and actually embody that truth, that physical experience. And so this is where a lot of us say, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to quit. And as soon as there's any judgment, when we start taking action, as soon as there's any resistance, we stop taking action. And just the fear of the emotional body being triggered is enough to keep us from moving any further. And we get paralyzed and run back to what is known and a smaller version of ourselves or a more familiar version of ourselves. And so it takes a lot of energy to start breaking those habits because it's not just quitting smoking or quitting drinking or making this change. It's like, what is the impact of that about how people will see me? What will they say about me? And how will I feel about myself? What if I fail? And just the fear of the water element is what keeps people from diving in or even taking action sometimes. I don't think we always realize how many habits are in one habit. So like with happy hour, it's not just needing a drink. It's also where you meet up with your friends and having something in your hand while you talk and the place you hang out and the alcohol consumption. In the book, The Power of Habit, they talked about smoking, which 
thankfully is like the one vice I've never had other than heroin. (laughs) But they talked about breaking down the habit because you might be addicted to something alongside of smoking, which makes the habit even harder to break. So say you're trying to quit smoking and you're used to taking that 15 minute smoking break every day. You could also be addicted to that walk around the office or the social aspect of smoking or grabbing a snack on your way back. So try just getting rid of one of those at a time and see which ones are the hardest. Like when I was trying to give up coffee, I realized it wasn't about the caffeine or even the coffee. It was more about just having something warm and pleasant (laughs) sip in the morning. So I replaced it with warm lemon water and I didn't even really miss it. Yeah, because you're exactly right. Because in that water element, let's just say it's around sugar. Because sugar is like, well, I would get a treat. My grandmother would make me this. I would get a treat. If I was good, I would get a treat. If I was bad, the treat was withheld. During Easter, it would be a treat. After dinner, there's a treat. After you accomplish something, you go out and have the treat. And so if we take sugar out, well, then all of the ways I have treated myself also get need to be adjusted as well. And so we start to, when we go through to the emotional body, which is this ocean, We need to dive really, really deep to the underlying currents of fear of failure, fear of abandonment, and embrace those, fear of being alone, fear of our emotional body, and get to know those because there's deep treasures within there instead of just reaching for wine or reaching for the sugar or reaching for another excuse or staying put in an unhealthy relationship, whether that's a personal relationship or a relationship with your career that's unhealthy or a job or an unhealthy relationship with a substance, it's all coming from a place of, I actually don't feel comfortable about something. And we're not ever going to unravel the habit unless we actually go down into the emotional body to unravel where is the wound, what is going on there, because that is what is behind reaching for that thing, whatever it is, or the fear of change that says, God, if I change, then all of these old feelings about this unresolved issue are going to come up. So that's where the real liberation comes when we dive deep into the emotional body. That is required before we get over to that landmass that is earth where we can actually embody something. Because if we don't and we just try to take a speedboat across the water and we haven't gone down into the deep emotional body where all of those treasures lie, then we aren't building on solid foundation. I've noticed that a lot of times it's so much easier to see what that deep emotion was in hindsight. It's like once (laughs) I've moved beyond it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a daddy issue (laughs) or something like that. But while I'm in it, it's just so much harder to pinpoint the exact origin without trying to override our intuition with logic. So how do you recommend pinpointing that earlier on? Yeah, I think that something's really important is to ask, Has this happened before? Have I had this feeling before? Does this feel familiar? And then go back to, when was the first time you felt like this? And that kind of gives us just a little question that says, oh, well, it was when my dad did this or when a boyfriend did that or when my sister did this. And then we start to see, oh, this is around not feeling supported. Then we start asking, what's the common issue here? oh, I'm not feeling supported. Everybody leaves me. So then we actually go diving into that. Is that really true? And where have I left myself? Where have I abandoned my soul's 
mission? Where have I abandoned the signals that have been coming to me from my intuition or from the divine? And we start to unravel what is this really about? And that's opening the third eye, that ajna, to be able to see the bigger perspective of, okay, this is about abandonment or this is about fear of being alone because I was adopted or because my parent died at seven or whatever it is. Just as you're saying, as an adult, I have trouble, and I do too sometimes, as an adult, I have trouble identifying the issue, then it's highly likely that when you were six or 11 or 17 or yesterday that you probably also did not have the skills to understand your own grief, your own anger, your own resentment, and that you might not have had a supportive environment around you that knew how to support you through that process either. And so then we just kind of go into dormancy. Those emotions, those feelings just get stuffed until later, until we are mature enough and present enough to actually go back and address those traumas from the past. And it's not about always digging up the past and being the victim, but it's just that some of those experiences have been caught in the visceral tissues of our physical body and might be a belief associated with that causing a disease or an addiction or a habit or a pattern. There might be something some trauma stuck in the tissues and a belief that goes with it that is in physical form because you were asking about all of the elements that says, well, this trauma has actually manifested in a disease because this thought that I'm not good enough or that I'm alone or I have to do it by myself and I've not supported is when I started my sugar addiction. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense that this addiction has been the replacement for feeling safe and supported. Oh, okay. That's a deep one. Mm -hmm. And now we're going from the dark night to letting light in of saying, oh, well, that kind of makes sense of why I chose that person in relationship. That kind of makes sense of why I reacted this way when a friend did that thing. And it kind of helps us to understand some of our choices that we thought were kind of unconscious. And we realized, yes, some deeper program, our habit or belief was running the show without us even knowing it. And we're starting to bring consciousness to the process of our habits and our choices. It's just, oh, there's a reason behind this. Yeah, that's always been helpful for me to move on from something just because it feels bigger than it is. And then the moment I identify the root, I'm like, oh, I'm not oh. letting you control me. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> let me take right. the reins back on this one. <laughs> this is where empowerment comes in, you know, because wow, you mean I can stop this pattern? I can stop this habit? And it's not just stopping the claw that is reaching for the sugar, the cigarette, the alcohol, whatever, or sex, or you name it. We've got tons of socially acceptable addictions. It's not just about stopping that. It's about understanding at the core what is really going on here. And that's truly liberating. And it's truly inspiring. And you get to exactly come back into the driver's seat of your life again and start making changes where you do feel supported or you don't feel alone or that your inner child is actually honored because we used to know how to listen to these signals. As kids, we would play this game until we didn't want to play it anymore. We would eat when we were hungry, sleep when we were tired. And if we wanted to do something else, we just did. If we wanted to wear two different color socks, we did. And we didn't care <laughs> what anybody else thought. You know, we weren't concerned about, oh, is my T-shirt look right? Is my hair look okay? Am I doing it right? We just did it. And that is that level of confidence that we can reclaim of being authentic 
And that's where we start to embody it in the physical that says, this is who I am and it's not negotiable by somebody else's criticism or somebody else's version of success that can't possibly fit me because I'm me. And this is a whole nother level of self-love, self-respect, and self-acceptance that is truly liberating and delicious because then anything is possible from that place. And life gets really fun. It doesn't mean we're not still uncovering challenges and blind spots, that it's always easy, but it's more fun. We see it for what it is instead of being blindsided by it. Okay, so we take an idea from the ethers, and then we speak it, which is air. Then we move into action, which is fire. And then we have to ebb and flow with the feelings and emotions, which is water. And now we're moving into earth, which is bringing it into form. Right, because when we know a thought to be true, and we're not afraid to act on it, and when the action happens, and our emotional waves come, and they will, And we've learned how to navigate our emotions. We're not ignoring them. We're not stuffing them. We're actually embracing, oh, here's grief coming. Okay, cool. I know what grief is and I want to honor it instead of stuff it or ignore it or sedate it or distract it. I actually want to feel it. And I'm sad because this chapter of life is closing or this breakup happened or this job thing or career thing didn't go the way I wanted it to. What I'm feeling is grief. Oh, okay. This is a natural human emotion. Let me embrace it. Let me ride this wave and then let me let it go. And then we can actually be in that solid place that says, I can stand in who I am knowing that there will be loss in life and that it won't be a wave that knocks me over. It may, it'll be water that rushes up on my shore, but I'm still embodying that I am more than just this relationship that has ended. I am more than just this chapter of life that has completed. I am more than this diagnosis. I am more than this body. And it's truly liberating when we come into physical form and own that. Then people come and go and we're okay. And changes happen and we're okay. We can age and it's okay. And we've learned how to honor our emotions and learn how to listen to take action to when something doesn't quite feel right, how to adjust that and how to come back to our center and our solidness again. It's kind of like learning to use your emotions as a compass. So instead of fighting against them and trying to stay on that straight path, you realize, okay, so this is a nudge to veer a little right, and this means turn left, and maybe I should back off a little bit. I picture surfing. If you're stiff and rigid, you're just going to go down and probably hurt your back. (laughs) But if you learn to kind of undulate with the movements, you'll catch a wave and take off. Yeah. And that is, it's the water element to be fluid and flexible that says, well, if there's these big waves, I can dive under this and it's calm down here. Instead of like, oh, here's these waves of emotions of social anxiety or, oh, I'm never going to find the right person or I'm never going to be in love again. And, you know, these waves keep rushing up and it's like, okay, how can I feel that? And also dive down and feel that when I go underneath these waves, there's this whole part of the ocean and I love scuba diving and snorkeling and it's just this whole beautiful part that is quiet and still underneath all of those waves and it's still the ocean. There's these beautiful treasures under there. When I dive in and get get into the feeling of it, I'm not afraid of it. And I move towards it instead of run away from it. 
and says, oh, this is just my human emotion. I'm pissed. I'm irritated. I'm angry. Then I get to say, why? What is it that's going on? Why am I getting triggered? Is it because I'm attached to something that is impermanent? Is it because I'm blaming somebody for something I'm really accountable for? Is it because I'm in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason, and it's triggering me, meaning I'm in a wrong relationship, or I'm in a job that doesn't fit, or I'm doing this to accommodate somebody else that is at my own expense? Why am I getting pissy about it? And when I dive into the emotion, I'm like, oh, okay, it's a little of this, it's some of that, and a whole lot of this other thing. And it helps me move through my emotion to help give me the clues of what changes or what do I need to adapt in order to get to the other side and feel whole and solid again. And I'm all of those elements. You're all of those elements. Everybody listening is all of those elements. So it also helps me go back to say, I want to be looking at those ether thoughts that might be creating actions, words, emotions that are coming from a false place. And so I also want to be on that journey of discovering what is my mind telling me right now? And is it actually true? Is it mine? Or does it need to be updated with a different thought pattern? Or can the divine show me a different thought or belief or truth right now that I haven't seen or known before? So that helps us to override some of those things. Like you said, wow, these patterns, these habits have been happening for 25 years I haven't even known about. And so there's also this beautiful thing about witnessing what the wind is doing, the air is doing and saying, oh, some of these experiences are coming from a belief that I'm unworthy or I'm not lovable that aren't actually even true. I've been really practicing just attaching to less because I realized how many possibilities really open up when I'm not just stuck in this one view of who I think I am or what I think is supposed to happen. So then when I fail or I get criticized or even just change my mind, I'm not so attached so I can use it as objective guidance. Like no one would get mad at their GPS (laughs) because it's saying like, turn left. And you're like, (laughs) ah, no, I was just so comfortable on this long, straight road. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the quicker way to get there. (laughs) You know, like, okay, you take the long way. That's cool. You go right into traffic. That's awesome. You can totally do that. And so that's a big part of that non-attachment and not only attachment to self or your own identity, but also non-attachment to somebody else's choices and their actions. It says, okay, well, if they break up with me, that isn't necessarily that I'm unworthy or I am lovable. It might be that we're just moving in different directions or we're not a fit for each other right now, or it's beyond this person's capacity in this moment to be in this relationship, or it's not nurturing or soulful for them. So this is also about non-attachment to other people's actions and choices as well. You know, as a parent, not being attached to whether my kids act a certain way as a reflection of me as a mother. It's just like, well, they're acting a way because that's how they're acting. I'm not going to take credit. I'm also not going to take ownership. I'm allowing non-attachment to, I'm a good mother because my son or daughter does this, you know, or I'm worthy and lovable because this person says so because they said they love me. They're still with me. And so this is also non-attachment to other people's actions or their expressions, their voice, their criticisms, their opinions on not being attached to them for positive or negative, you know, like this was great or it sucked. It's like, okay, well, I also am not attached to their opinion about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. One of the things I've been teaching is basically recircuiting your triggers. So I've been trying to become more aware of mine and create new neural connections to them. So where there would have been anger or resentment, I try to switch all of those to curiosity and gratitude. Because then instead of setting off my ego armor, I can open myself up to guidance and ask, what was in this for me? And then the gratitude just really helps me to remember that everything happens for me and not to me. I do find that harder to do with people though. I historically have gotten attached to people pretty easily. I think just because I wear my heart on my sleeve, but the faster I grow, the more people I've had to shed. So now I picture them like the shells to my hermit crab. (laughs) They served me well to a certain point, but if I want to grow, I just need to thank them and let them go and then be on my merry way. Right. Because now we're talking about what love does in relationship and that's allowing and accepting and breaking codependent patterns of holding another partner small just to keep the status quo, because that can be very unhealthy for both parties. And that's when addictions and depression and blame and a lot of hurtful energy passes between two people is like, wow, one or both of us might actually be outgrowing aspects of this relationship or we're outgrowing the codependent, unhealthy patterns of the relationship. And it doesn't necessarily mean the relationship has to end, but it is being invited to evolve. Instead of arguing, can we converse? Instead of blaming, can we be accountable? Instead of ignoring, can we actually address something? And so when there's conflict in relationships, it may be the shell of the container of the way it was formed and how both parties are acting in that, that is the shell that is needing to be dissolved and replaced with something better so that the relationship keeps growing with conscious communication skills and allowing each other to be free in exploring who they are. And that's where evolving out of codependency into more healthy sovereignty still within relationship. And that's where that codependency of like, if I feel empty, if I feel unlovable, well, then you bet I'm going to be in a codependent relationship and I'm going to stay in it because I'm leaning on you for my love. And I'll stay in an unhealthy pattern Mm -hmm. just so that I'm not without love, even if it's hurtful love. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. It's actually interesting because I've been working on my keynote. And it's all about how the opposite of self-love is self-destruction. And it's crazy because with certain destructive patterns, I can actually see the root of when it started and then the fertilizer along the way that was just feeding it. So the culmination was in a relationship where I put up with so much crap because I was getting all of my validation and worth and love from external sources, which means I was cutting off my own source of love and setting a precedent of my worth for somebody else who was actually doing the same thing, but reversed. (laughs) So I was just empty inside and expecting him to fill my holes. (laughs) I just heard that out loud. (laughs) Yes, fill my holes in all the ways, (laughs) but it was just a recipe for disaster. 
Well, it's a recipe for a lesson because you can leave that relationship saying, what an asshole, you know, what a jerk, right? We can leave that relationship from that place or we can leave that relationship saying, oh, this is what happens when I'm not self-sourcing my own identity, validating myself, my own confidence. So that's the solar plexus. When if I feel insecure, then I'm going to lean on somebody else to feel that validation and secure. That's around the solar plexus. If I'm emotional, If I'm not honoring my emotions, then I'm going to lean on my partner to be able to, when I'm having my emotional tsunamis, it's your responsibility to help me calm rather than to learning how to calm myself and embrace and honor my own inner child. If if I'm not feeling financially strong and capable or grounded, well, then I'm going to lean on my partner for financial support. If I don't know how to speak my truth and speak up, well, then I'm going to lean on somebody else to do that for me. And so we get to see where that dynamic plays out depending on what imbalance any one of us has individually and how we attract different people to show us where that weakness is. And the most loving aspect of that relationship is to bring it to your attention. <laughs> you know, we might think, oh, that was the biggest jerk. He, was, he did this and he did that. And it's just like, yeah, but what did I get out of it? I got to learn how to speak my voice. I got to learn how to be more self-loving. I got to learn how to be more discerning before I jump into a relationship. I got to learn how to be more self-sufficient. Wow, hey, thanks for the parting gifts, you know? Mm -hmm. A soul-mate relationship isn't devoid of discomfort and pain because if that a soul-mate relationship, you're going to be catalyzing the other person to grow, which isn't always comfortable. So by nature of this podcast, if someone's listening to it, it says a lot about them. They're the type of person that wants to lead a more intentional life and they know that they have the power to make change. But for those type of people, it's not lack of knowledge that holds us back because there's so much knowledge out there. (laughs) It's implementing it and following through. So say through the mirror of life or relationships, we identify a destructive habit or pattern that really needs to be broken. But it's one of those that's just so ingrained, it almost feels like a part of us. How do we chip away at that? It's going to be a combination of gentleness and courage that says, I might need some help with this. If it's like, wow, this is the fifth year in a row, this is the 10th year in a row, I'm trying to break this habit whether it's weight thing, whether it's going to bed early, whether it's this unhealthy relationship, whether it's a dance, I call it with a substance, some whatever unhealthy pattern is that sometimes we might need some help and accountability that says, okay, I'm going to do this instead of this today. And the willingness to look at the urge when it happens, what is this really about? And can I be okay with having a glass of wine Can I be okay with it? Can I do this without guilt? Or is there really some underlying thing that is not healthy about this that I'm ignoring? So there's there's a difference between treating ourselves to something and using it as sedating and ignoring and numbing. And sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need to just, because we're not ready to look at it and we're going to sedate and we know it. And it's just like, okay, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And sometimes we need some coaching that support, because when we are ready, but we can't break the pattern that says, okay, I'm ready, but I need help. So do we ever get to a point where we're not sedating in any possible way? (laughs) You know, I don't know if that's really the end game. Think that when the pedals open again and again, 
we're just where we're at. Like in this lifetime, I'm not saying, okay, I want my pedal for me to have arrived to not sedate with anything ever because I'm not really in charge of what pedal is next. I still get to be in the process of, well, I want this pedal to go next. And there might be 700 other pedals <laughs> that go before that one. So I get to remain curious about what is this teaching me? What am I really feeling? Do I need to ask for help? Can I have an accountability buddy? Do I need to dive deeper with what emotion I'm ignoring? Where can I be gentle with myself? And where do I need to be honest with myself? And those are all questions that I just keep exploring. And I'll get as far as I get. You'll get as far as you get. And what I'm not going to do is bully myself along the way. But I also don't want to be so, oh, it's okay, sweetie. You just keep doing that to yourself and not also have that divine masculine that says, is this really what you want? Are you ready to make a change? And when you're ready, I'm here and let's take action together. And sometimes when those patterns are, are like that, we may not have the will to do it. And so that's where getting help or hitting rock bottom is like, okay, are you going to make the change now that you don't have that kidney? Are you going to make the change now that you had to have your breast removed because of cancer? Are you willing to make it now? And sometimes we'll need a life or death or left situation because nobody else can initiate that will for you. You're the only one that could spark that will. So there has to be a readiness on your part. And sometimes we'll motivate for short-term gains, and then it doesn't last for very long. It says, oh, I'm just going to do this just to get into a bathing suit. And then when bathing suit season is over, back to the normal, back to the same thing again. Because we just tried to take the speedboat across the water rather than really looking at what is the real issue and, and am I ready? And sometimes we're not ready. You know, with so many of my clients, of thousands of clients dealing with addiction and breakups and why they haven't made the change yet. And I realized, well, all I can do is provide awareness, provide tools, provide inspiration, hold accountability and be patient and compassionate and allowing and let them go through their process because they're only going to make the change when they're really ready. And they might make change for a few months and then fall back because I do the same thing. Sometimes I have momentum and then I don't. And that's the process of nature. It births a lot all at once and then it retreats. And so I also get to be honoring that there's a time and a season for those different elements. That water element, there's a time for fluidity and there's a time for being solid and there's a time for fire and there's a time for air. Each of those has its place in cycles. And so to think that I'm always going to be fire is kind of like what you ran up against with forcing too hard too much, and then you just burn out. And that's not it either. We don't want to be motivating change from a place of guilt because that's not going to be sustainable. We don't want to be motivating change because I'm doing it for somebody else because that too will not be sustainable. And so this is going to be cultivating that from within, which is all in that solar plexus around self-respect and identity and personal will and authenticity and integrity. And so Sometimes that chakra energy center is just developing. It's growing. It's learning through life experiences what isn't working. And it's refining. And it's getting to practice in life school. And it's getting immediate feedback all day long through life experiences with how it's doing or how it's not doing. Well, I could talk to you for hours. And <laughs> geez, this hour just flew by. <laughs> but for listeners who are resonating with you, where can they connect with you online? 
Thank you. Shamangelichealing.com. There's all kinds of online courses. There's the Quantum Leap Coaching Program, which can happen from the comfort of your own home, which is high performance strategies over 12-month period of time. And there's retreats on there, the Empowerment and Awakening Weekend, which is coming up. And so I would love to offer for your audience a chakra balancing audio that kind of walks them through the different chakras, you know, energy centers of the body with like a little 18-minute guided visualization to kind of clear and anchor their light body. And then 20% off on my online courses. There's meditation course on there. There's a conscious relationship course. There's one on the chakras. There's one on balancing the feminine and masculine, vibrant nutrition. There's a whole bunch of courses on there. And I just want to give 20% off to your listeners to any course that they want to take online. And of course, I'm in Sedona anytime and offer private sessions and retreats as well. And for the sisters listening, we have a goddess retreat coming up at the end of April. So if you can sneak off to Sedona, Sedona for a really deep, soulful five-day weekend, yoga, meditation. We're going to do shamanic breath work, sharing circles, inspirational workshops. That's going to be at the end of April. And so I'll include a discount on that retreat as well as a gift for your audience because I'm so grateful for what you're doing and I'm so grateful to those listening. And thank you for really bringing your voice out. Um, It's really valuable. Your podcast is just having a huge impact, and I just want to acknowledge everything that you're doing. So well done, sister. Okay, guys. So what idea or thought or inspiration are you allowing to stay out there in the ethers? And now that you know the process, when are you going to make the decision to start bringing it into form? The next step is just to start speaking it. So hopefully that makes the barrier to entry a little less difficult for you guys. And I promise you, once you start creating, once you start taking action, it's so addicting and it builds momentum. And a lot of times other vices even start to fall away because suddenly we're a little bit more fulfilled or a little bit more confident and we found a little bit more meaning. All of the links mentioned in this episode, including the free chakra balancing audio and links to the other things that Anahata mentioned, and the book, The Power of Habit that I mentioned in this episode, are all found at mindlove.com slash 070. Wow, episode 70. Crazy. If you love this podcast and you haven't yet left a review on Apple Podcasts, if you could take a moment to do that today, I would so, so appreciate it those reviews help more than you think. Or share the podcast, screenshot it, share it with a friend, talk about it, share the mind love. You can sign up for the daily morning mind love inspirational emails at mindlove.com or text morning to 444-999 or visit me on social at mindlovepodcast. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.